0: That is, interesting. That's crazy, dude. To me, like that's like for that's for reals. Yeah, that's
1: fucking crazy. Well, I guess we can somewhat start. It's kind of it's funny because in the beginning, I don't remember exactly what I said, but now I found my new little transition phrase, which is really sloppy. Mm-hmm. But I like to click. for Of course, for those who aren't, or for those who are listening now, um, usually, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, where I, I, I usually click, click re- record at random times. There's no specific times. I've, there's been moments, even if you check out, I think it's episode five where Gonzo's on with us. And there I, c- I catch the guys talking, and, Audrey, oh, that's Nicky Bastard. Brian says that. <laughs> and and uh, so I, I definitely make that a, a point. So when I do find a moment of silence and we can now start talking about i guess what season two has turned into where we have actual or at least i feel like there's actual topics and more leanings that we can use and hopefully help on i would the way i've been thinking about now because we've kind of came up with this maybe two three episodes ago but unveiling ourselves so people can help unveil themselves that makes sense. You know, centralizing yeah. some focus, and and one thing is like uh, I and I said this multiple times as well is like Gary V was or has been asked, you know, how do you teach? How do you how do you get a handle on self-awareness? And he's like, I don't know. And as we've progressed through these questions, and I, I I think I mentioned this on the on the on the website as well during on on our on the little blog that I write every Monday, is like you know using these questions to hopefully learn about ourselves. And then if people really, you know, want to grow and, you know, start asking the right questions to themselves so then they can start working better with others. At least that's my approach to what I think self-awareness is or can lead to that then helps you grow. How do you feel about that, Brian? How do you feel about as far as like the route we've taken now? You know, uh, more, more times than not, also lately, it's been just me and you. Kind of on purpose, you know. Uh, I do. Ha- I do plan on having Gonzo and Eddie back next week for a cool episode. But um, what? Do you, what is your take? Wha- how do you? F- how have you felt these past? I mean, it's, we're in episode thirty-six. Season two technically started episode twenty-eight. So no we've now done eight episodes of this type of format. I feel like it's uh, it's more clear at least for me.
0: Um, instead of like jumping from a from like one topic to another kind of. I I like I like that it's more organic but the fact that we do that I don't think it it, it leads t- it has like a very cohesive topic overall mm-hmm. right. um and this way I think with these questions um <coughs> if we if we hit them like there's a more a more consistent theme throughout our conversations and and especially because you're kind of asking the questions maybe even you know more more directly it's um, it definitely helps w- unveiling ourselves, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, you get, you get my direct input on either if it's about me or, or how I feel versus kind of, like, tagging off of what, what people say or may not say. And I guess sometimes if I have something to say, but we just kind of veer off somewhere
1: else, I don't want to backtrack or, you know, yeah, I don't want to yeah. lose – yeah, lose the momentum that we did gain. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's a rabbit hole that we <laughs> were just gonna yeah. dive into and whatever. Yeah. It's interesting. How deep did you have you gotten into like Joe Rogan's podcast? Like how many like mm, just like probably what we've a few, whatever we've talked about or whatever yeah. I've showed you maybe?
0: Yeah, well, especially that one night that we were here with, with Freddie. Oh,
1: okay. That, oh, that was that more and that was more recent yeah, too. Yeah, that
0: was that was a good time. Other than that, I hadn't really listened to him in a while. Okay. Except with uh, who's that guy? I to Neil Degrasse Tyson, that one was a good one that oh, yeah. I, I I, tr- I think I picked up on my own, man, through Neil deGrasse Tyson some videos that were on YouTube, um, and then jo- Joe Rogan stuck in there. Yeah, yeah. But who's this other guy? For- I forget who he is. Um, like tall white guy, like. Gavin McGuinness Ponytail.
1: No, all ponytail. Uh, Wim-, Wim Hof.
0: I don't even know actually.
1: Because Gavin McGuinness doesn't have ponytail. Gavin McGuinness is a like anti-feminist. White white, white hair.
0: <laughs> white
1: hair like in a ponytail, I think.
0: <sighs> But I forget what I he don't did. Know. The only one
1: I can think of is Wim Hof, because he's—he's oh, he's the only older guy. Uh, it's not a guy that lives through his bag, is he? Like he travels like no. with his bag now. I forgot. I forgot that guy's name, but oh, either way. Uh, I was just curious because, I, like I said, I, I now. Mean, even <coughs> even as I was as I was talking out loud, I'm like, man, you know, I I, I did want to see you know what kind of uh, Jer- Joe Rogan, because I know he was definitely the first. Thanks to Denver, you know, he was the first person for me to listen to podcasts. Yeah. And I was like, man. And of course, when he interviewed Jocko Willink, uh, which I can I can put that link, which pretty much changed my 2016 and now forever, um, got me to start listening to Jocko podcast. And then I bought the book Extreme Ownership, you know, last year, and I read it and I did everything. Go ahead, you got it.
0: Got it, Jesse Ventura.
1: Oh, oh Jesse Ventura. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that one was that one was interesting.
1: I only heard parts because he uh, he had mentioned Chris Kyle at some point, mm-hmm. and he was like bashing Chris Kyle because of something that he said in his book that didn't happen. And then I remember Eddie bringing it up. I'm like, well, hold on, hold on. I, mean, I have the book at home. Yeah. I'm like, well, maybe it was an early edit or something because it's not in the book. Like, I, I've read the book. I've gone through the book. I'm like, that, right. part, of, that part of that Jesse's, like, quote, unquote, mentioning him though his name was never mentioned is not in the book. Mm-hmm. So, Or maybe, it's, I don't know if there's different editions now. It's too soon. To, I, I would say it's too soon. He passed away in 2012, I think, 2013. Mm-hmm. But anyways, but to stay on this topic as far as, you know, not being too scatterbrained, and and I guess just for listeners to know as well, is like that was kind of my, of course because they're an influence. Like, well, not why not? You know, just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned in the podcast before, but you know, generally, you know, I feel like as millennials, we have gone to a point of okay, we we've learned a lot, we've experienced some, but the, like our random conversations only went so far before they stop making sense. At least for me, yeah. You know, that even even we're listening to some of them where I'm getting material now for the blog part of our of our, of this. You know, organization. Uh, I definitely ha- did definitely did feel a point where of transition, where it's like, okay, yeah, now it seems like okay, we need to start digging deeper into ourselves to, to then, uh, you know, or, again, to reiterate myself. And then you said you said as well, you know, unveil ourselves so people can get to know us. You know, we we are. Si- I I would have to argue that we are seeking the truth. We are seeking to better ourselves and then go out and help better everybody else. And you guys listening, I mean, this stuff. Like I said. Aside from, like, monetary, I'm like, this stuff is free. You know, and everything that I bring up is free as well. All the links, everything that I use is, like, stuff that I use. And uh, there was an episode uh, – actually, I'm not, I'm not going to look for it right now. But it's – I'll probably put the link in, in, in the in the show notes. But I go over Tim Ferriss' 17 questions that change his life. And one of them is uh, – actually, may, let me just go back to it because it's going to be easier. So so I won't skip right now. Um, this one? Yeah, it's this one. Uh you know what if I did the opposite for 48 hours? That was his. Well, that was his first question, and he gave his example of like when he was in sales and you know he was calling at certain hours, and basically the way I'm using that question now for for this podcast and for my daily, uh, I don't want to call it routine because every time I think I'm fi- finding a routine, it ends up falling off. Like every time I try to put that mindset, like, oh this is my routine, this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. I end up breaking it and it makes me feel terrible. So lately I've just been trying to. Do consistent things of mov- of movement, if, if that even makes sense, because right. I, I feel like that's even very vague, but that's the only way I can put it. Because like I said, like I always fall off the path when I try to make it a mission, versus just doing good every day, mm-hmm. you know. And that goes from my diet, you know, candy and uh, carb heavy carbs, to then my workout regimens, you know, anything like that. Going to jujitsu more often again, you know. I I hadn't fallen off, but I definitely stop making time for jiu-jitsu, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, hold on, you know, when I started putting my priorities in check again, I was like, okay, would I rather do A, or would I rather do jujitsu? jitsu and it's like, no, I'd rather do jujitsu. jitsu like, I need to make time for it again, you know, I need, I need to come get back to it, anyways, but, so basically, the way people, I would suggest people use the 48-hour question of doing the opposite, this is, again, derived from Tim Ferris, is basically, what is the majority of people around you doing, and do the opposite of that, if it's going to make you better that's kind of what i've been doing you know a lot of people that i know that are on youtube are and even now like, i feel like a lot more people are using it for informative stuff and to grow but i'm i'm trying to use it i'm trying to find things that i can use you know le- soon uh i'm gonna bring up jordan peterson which I, I we brought brought him up on another podcast but um i've been sending a lot of videos to brian and i've been listening to a bunch of them myself where it's like man like this is stuff that I, I want ingrained in my brain so i can help others you know because the que- the statement i've been getting a lot especially at the gym when i've been i've been making more comms lately is like well that doesn't pertain to me like my situation is different my situation is not the same as whatever I get. oh like, you're just you're just about business and this and th- I, or I even i even got that here at home like you're you're, you're such a business like mindset and it's like but i've used this in my life I, I have i don't own a business yet you know i don't i don't have products to sell right. i go out and i talk and i listen to people and i i like no, that you can actually use this in a life context, not just a business context. Uh, funny thing is, right now I'm reading. Um, what does that say, Brian? Zig Ziglar's Secrets Secrets of, of Closing Closing the, the sale. sale. So that's the book I'm on for this week, and in there he talks about just that, you know. And he says, and it, you know how I, I have my sten- my steno pad, and mm-hmm. I've had it for a while. And I told you at some point I was like, man, I write differently when I write on my steno pad. And you're like, it's it's the it's the context of the pad, you know. Yeah. It's like legal writing and whatever. Right, right. And in there, he, he says, get a pen, buy a steno pad, and follow along. And I'm like, hmm. Like, I haven't, I haven't made written any notes. Cause I'm taking a Jordan Peterson approach of trying to me- remember things. Mm-hmm. So I, have, I haven't have yet to use a stenopad, But the fact that he uses, like, that, you know, like, like, you know, write it down and whatnot. Yeah. And, and,
0: and you're already doing that, at least, you know, for probably other books. or Right, right. You know, taking notes on other things or whatever.
1: Well, because lately, what I've been doing for the past, okay, how many Okay, I've read? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. 7 books in 7 weeks, right? And for those books, I've been putting tabs on them. Even in my Marcus Aurelius book, I've been putting tabs on like m- like if if the whole page is good, I have to pick the best one. I make myself for I force myself to pick the best one that okay, I need to remember this quote. I, re- I need to remember this. And so for all of those books, I've been using just uh paper tabs, like uh, like just tabs to make notes, yeah. you know, whatever. And and there's a Jordan Peterson video and they ask him, someone asks him uh how do you how do you? I don't know it's how do you learn better or something along those lines, and he's like, "Well, when you read, you need to read." If you're at a lecture, and he's like, "I tell this to my students." I didn't know he was a university professor too, which is interesting. He was he taught at a university. I don't know what university, mm. but he taught at a university. It seems like it. Right, and and now all the videos I've been sending are from his lectures, Okay, okay, okay. and uh, so that makes sense, right? So, but this one was in a because he does like video vlogs type things where he answers questions from people, and uh, he. Uh, he he answers the question. He's like, when you're reading, read the book. Don't make tabs. He's like, when you finish a section, go to a journal and make your notes in the journal. So it forces you to remember mm-hmm. what it is. So I've been taking that approach. Excuse me lately, and lately, as in this first book of Zig Ziglar that I'm t- that I'm jumping into. And uh, funny thing is, the only reason why why I bought the Zig Ziglar book was because uh, well, Saturday our concert our concert got canceled yeah. or po- it's postponed. Mm-hmm. Uh, crossing our fingers but uh i was so pissed off it was we found out i guess friday officially was friday that's crazy you sent me a text and i was like what like yeah, yeah dude tomorrow yeah tomorrow yeah exactly tomorrow i'm like we've been a month and a month a month to a month and a half of working on this show for this one hour set of and it's not even and for me it's not even detrimental of like the work it's just like i just felt drained because i know that tomorrow i'm not gonna perform yeah. And it's more of one of those things where where I've, I've now found myself to be a live performer versus uh, either a general musician or a studio musician you know like I thrive on stage mm-hmm. you know and uh, so so I went to Barnes and Noble I, I had work and I went to Barnes and Noble after and mom's like you coming home because I had to pick up Luis right. but the thing is he was in real Grand City so <coughs> it was gonna be like midnight by the time he gave, by the time he got back mm-hmm. and so I'm like I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to Barnes and Noble I'm gonna buy me a book because I'm not supposed to cuz I need to save money. And uh, and then I'm going to go to Starbucks and read and wait for Luis to get back whatever. So then I get to I get there and and I start going through naturally through the business sections, you know, economics, leadership, the whole thing and uh, I started listening to The Leader's Eat Last audiobook which is by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, and there what I've been what I have been doing now is like um, I'll listen to an audiobook for a little bit and then I'll determine I'll determine through that route if I should buy it or not. Okay. And that's only been for like two books. It hasn't been for like a ton of books. Just a couple. Just like you know, uh, especially because like when it's dead at work, like I don't want to be. I don't want to get caught in the book. Cause I will get caught in a book, mm-hmm. and then I get, uh, I get pissed off that <laughs> a customer walks in. And is like damn it! I need, I'm so into the book that I have to like retrain yeah. my brain. I have to like get out of that zone, right? So anyways, so I've been listening to that book last last week, and I got through like. The first eight chapters, which is only two hours of eight hours of audiobook, which is crazy. I'm like, oh, how long is this fucking book? Right. <laughs> and then, so, so, so then I, that's the first book. That's the first book I lo- go to look for. and They don't have it in stock. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't want Together is Better, which is another Simon Sinek book. I'm like, I already have Start with Why. They don't have Finder Why, which is Simon Sinek's newest book, which just came out last week mm-hmm. or two weeks ago. Um, and so then I go to the more entrepreneurial side, which is like Seth Godin, like it's more of his route. Yeah. And so he has, like, linchpin, which I said I was going to rece- get received as a gift. So I, I'm not going to buy it because they said they are going to get it to me. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just wait. I'm like, no, why am I going to have two copies? And then I'm like, well, just poke the box. So I open poke the box, which is also by Seth Godin. And I'm like, I don't feel like poking the box. I'm like, me and my friends are creating a box right now. That I like building you know like mm-hmm. it's like we're already building a box <laughs> you know like that was my thing that I think maybe people would be like well this is more like a business idea it's like well no there's boxes everywhere that I'm saying you know and we can get into like simulation theory and like the whole like s- shapes and shit right yeah. <laughs> like thinking of poking the box right so mm-hmm. we'll do that soon because I, I told I told Eddie well you're in the, you're in that text message group where I told Eddie you know when Justin gets back I want to talk about simulation theory and all that stuff so that's gonna be fun yeah. coming come December anyways let's <laughs> just stay on track uh, so I was like, box. I'm like no I'm like there's already a box being created like I was I, I was that fired up I'm like no so then I go to the I go to the financial section and I'm like rich dead poor dead no I don't want any, I don't want that book and I'm like unshakable already have it Ton- Tony Robbins and then there's like the seven financial methods to help you get be- become financially free something like that. Mm-hmm. it's him t- t- it's Tony Robbins original book mm-hmm. right and I'm like Fuck that! I don't want anything do with money right now. I'm like, I'm so pissed off about like the event that's been postponed that I money c- I could give a shit about money right now. Great. So then I go back to like the t- where Tim Ferriss did a, tw- a four-hour work week, and it's like I've read half this book. I should finish it, but I don't feel like finishing it. So I'm not gonna finish it. <laughs> I, I put it back on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. So then to make this this bit a little bit longer, I go to uh, sales, and I see Zig Ziglar, and I'm like. I don't want to start someone new because to me, that's what it is. Zig or someone new. All I've been talking about lately is Jocko, Tony, Tim, uh, even major Dick Winners, uh, Seth Godin, you know, all these, Seth Simon Sinek, you know, those have been my top five, top six people that I've been talking about. And it's like, I really don't want to start someone new. So then there's a small book, it's like 80 pages. It's the size of the dip. And it's the same, it's literally the same size and page wise as well. It's like 80, 90 pages. Mm-hmm. So I... I'm like, this must be derived from something. And I'm like, let me, so let me go to like the, where like the publishing and whatever. And it's like, these things are derived from this book. So I ended up finding the original book that those main ideas were like taken from. Mm-hmm. So I found that book. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy this because it's a, this a smaller book. Well, I want the whole context. I don't want just a piece of the context. I, I learned that. I want the whole thing. And then The Secrets of Closing the Sale, which is another book, I opened it and I started reading it. And I was like, okay. And it starts up with a story about how his wife made – Basically, an upsell of thirty-eight thousand dollars. Dang. So their house was X, mm-hmm. and he had they had talked and like, well, we can go, we can go twenty thousand over X. Well, they're gonna move to Dallas because Dallas is the is the best area for them to live in because of Zig Ziglar's traveling. So he, that basically that would be his main hub, so he can travel everywhere at the same distance, right. basically. Well, she finds she's like, honey, I found this house and all this stuff, right? And she's like, how? He's like, how much? She's like, but you don't like, but there's a, there's a land there's you can make your office there and there's the area for a swimming pool that you always wanted. She keeps selling the house, selling the house, and, honey, how much is it? <laughs> so she gives an- another thing. And, honey, how much is it? Finally, at the end of her little rant, it's eighteen thousand over the twenty thousand, so it's thirty-eight total yeah. over. So it's if it's one hundred forty, it's one hundred seventy-eight thousand, you know, over, or it's one hundred seventy-eight thousand. This is back in, I think, the '70s. So it's it's like, not even a hundred grand, you know, total probably. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, my parents, I think, got this house for under fifty, you know. And this was in the '90s, so Mm -hmm. that house must have been, you know, still a big, you know, thirty-eight thousand at the time was a big difference. Yeah. So, she's like, "Well, we don't know anything about real estate in the area, so you should go with me and the real estate agent." And like, so, dude, she sell, and I, I can get into this whole thing because, again, like. I've been using this Jordan Peterson method of like making myself remember things mm-hmm. through post writing versus note taking along with writing, mm-hmm. and like that's why I can tell you the story in in short. But, uh, fuck, how did we get into <laughs> how did I get into this?
0: Uh, You're at Barnes and Noble.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> right. Let me finish. Let me just. Finish, oh, that's why I don't want. I not want to get too far. But but the thing is, that story ex- that story excited me because it's like, you know. Uh, um, Fuck! I lost. I lo- okay, let me just <laughs> let me just go back to the Barnes and Noble thing. So, so I I I get to that part and I'm like, okay, I need to buy this book. So I end up buying both Zig Ziglar books, which those are the only Zig Ziglar books in the area. So okay. I'm like, okay, then then I'm okay. I'm I'm not, I'm not worried about t- buying three or four more books. You know, like right. you know anybody else that has mm-hmm. multiple books out. So I finally leave and I go about my day and I I go home, I go to the Starbucks and I read this book and and again I I I can go into a lot of like details that I've taken away from it, but. Anyways, so that was my Friday. I was very pissed off, and I just read, and I didn't want anything to do with anybody. And I, I ended up at the Starbucks, and uh, these college kids were there. And it's funny because they were talking about opportunity cost. And, um, and, nice. and she's like, oh, I got that answer wrong. And, I could, and it's like a boyfriend and girlfriend and then like three of friends, so it's a total five. Mm-hmm. And, I was just, and at some point I put my book down. I was just watching them, and like, I was trying not to be a creep, but I was literally listening because as soon as I said opportunity cost, they got my attention you know and i literally had no headphones on because i wanted to read but i wanted to hear wh- i wanted to hear how the employees were reacting with customers cause if they were consistent or not and then if there were any groups i wanted to see how what they were talking about and i i got lucky you know, there's these university students in there studying and it had to be had to be about business
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the girls like oh i missed that question it was about opportunity cost i was like hmm i'm like i'm very curious to like what they're learning and i do kind of regret not going up to him and asking them like what exactly they're studying and for what class they're studying but I was like no nah, I'll let them study they left shortly after so they went there long mm-hmm. but I mean I was at Starbucks till like midnight and then Luis was like hey I'm already at school so I can go pick him up and that was my night and then Saturday was its own thing because we, we had a we had a surprise party for Luis so that all worked out and I, I explained to Brian I, I, I can probably talk about that another day but regards I was pissed off and I bought some sales closing books I'm like if, if the deal went through because of a sales flaw then the answer must be in this book <laughs> that was another thing I thought of like through, this, through like Zig Ziglar like he right. has <laughs> dude and in this book dude he has like over a hundred ways to like close a deal and it's so interesting because now I'm like I'm like more vigilant about like how people are talking to okay. me whether they're cautious whether they're like vid, whether they're like aware or not like I'm now becoming aware of, like hmm are they trying to sell me something am I trying to sell them something you know mm-hmm. and, and do I care about what I'm trying to sell them you know whatever yeah but uh Anyways, that was a 20-minute rant <laughs> on how the weekend went. Uh, it, was just, it was just so upsetting, man. Honestly, it was just so, so freaking upsetting of the whole situation. And yeah. And I was just I was just I, ju- I felt Friday. it through the text. I, I was like just pissed like, off, man. Yeah. And my dad's like, don't worry about it. He's like, just come home. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going home. Like I w- and I, get, I wonder if this would be a long-term effect or not. But, you know, I didn't want to come home mad. Because mm-hmm. then again, I, naturally, I would probably take it out on somebody. And why would I want to do that? I'd rather yeah. I, if I could just be alone in public... In the public eye, you know, I just be controlled. You know, I had to control myself as well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, go about myself. So I did that, and uh, whatever. So that was that, and then I get a well. I told Brian I, mean, I, I basically overate unintentionally overate, and I had a basically a stomach bug yesterday and today, and I I feel mildly better today. But I was like Brian, it's Monday. We need another thing I wanted to mention to continue on this tangent of the weekend is. Uh, Ever since Labor Day, which is September fourth, like I feel like everything's been flopped forward, like everything's been in fast forward for me since mm-hmm. that Kay. Monday. Since we, cause many you record, we me and you and Frank recorded that day, mm-hmm. but since that day, everything else seems fast forward. Since then, it's like okay, like you know, I needed some time to slow down, and I haven't, I haven't slowed down at all. Which is, which is not a big deal. It's just something I've noticed that I feel like okay, damn, yeah. yeah. Like even today, like, I feel comfortable saying okay, let's re- let's just record Monday because like we recorded Monday, you know, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I think we can hopefully, (laughs) I don't want to cram anything into 40 minutes, but we can try. (laughs) Uh, So uh, last week, or actually I think it was two weeks ago now, that Tony Robbins released uh, episode number 262, not Tony Robbins, damn it, Tim Ferriss released an episode with uh, Stuart Copeland, who is part of the original band of The Police, which is Sting's original band, and he was the original drummer. Stewart Stewart was Stewart was a original, and I told Brian, I texted Brian, I'm like, dude, like this guy's genius. And Brian, have you heard the podcast?
0: Not the podcast. Okay,
1: so the way t- uh, Tim ferris does this is like he basically shoots three hours of video, mm-hmm. and from there they take out. Uh, okay, are the episodes an hour or four to five minutes? I don't know. I don't know the exact time because I know it's an hour show. But I don't know no, if there's, there's commercials. No commercials. No, oh, there's, there's no, no commercials. commercials. Oh, interesting. So it might be forty-five minutes. It probably is forty-five. I'm just assuming it might mm-hmm. be forty-five minutes. If it's an hour, that's fucking awesome. Because fifteen minutes, you can do a lot in fifteen minutes. We did a lot in twenty minutes right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but anyways, so essentially, he takes the best forty-five minutes for the show. He then takes the best hour for the podcast, and then there's still like an hour out there looming around. Like who knows? Wh- I wonder what he's gonna do with that. So, mm-hmm. I, I found that I, and I think he uses like all the material, he just separates it for different things that will fit best with right. where they are, right? So, I told Brian, like, man, dude, this guy's genius, whatever. And I'm like, the interesting thing is, like, I want, and this is something that I want to get into right now, is that I wonder what you would bring to the table on the same, the same person, mm-hmm. but because you've listened to some, something different, I've listened to something different. Uh, mm-hmm. What I want to start off with is, has Fearless helped you? How so? And which episode do you feel have you taken from the most? He's had David Blaine, Stuart Copeland, uh Bill uh Ras Rasmussen or something. Rasmusen, yeah. Uh, Phil Hil Hilmeth, which I haven't heard about. That, that one's one. a good one too. Okay, I haven't heard haven't heard he has a podcast for that one too. I haven't heard that one yet. But I've heard I've heard the Bill Rasmussen, I've heard Stuart Copeland multiple times. Blake Mykowski was my the biggest one for me so far. Me too. No, regardless of like uh the content David Ben was just a fun one to to mm-hmm. be a part to watch and this was interesting, yeah, yeah, it was just cool so to let's get back to the question you know, have you felt like one of them pull you more than another, and you know I
0: think Blake's just because of like the business idea, you know how i I didn't know exactly how Tom's shoes started, but to really hear how he basically started it like not even out of his apartment like this was just some some like I don't know I don't know exactly the purpose of the trip but it just it stemmed from well that Well I think trip. he
1: was he was on vacation <coughs> and he happened to go to Argentina. I think that was uh, th- that's what it was it was a vacation in Argentina.
0: Yeah and then like <coughs> I think the the amazing thing for me was how how it started from that from wanting to give back to 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 this little village, you know. He wanted to start with that group and and to me it's it's crazy how how from that that simple like idea like of, of wanting to give back and the simple design of the shoes that's already been made somewhere yeah, else, yeah. like how that alone kind of like like sparked what is tom's shoes today, and how adamant he was about not using boxes mm-hmm. that yes. they were using the bags bags yes yes I, f- I forget exactly why, but it w- it had to have been some type of like environmental oh yeah, it was the the bags um I think they were either the bags that they were using were either recycled or they could be recycled,
1: or maybe both. Yeah, something, yeah, <laughs> something to that something effect, like something like that. Yeah, environmentally friendly. Something
0: where they c- they that they couldn't do with the boxes. Yeah. So,
1: and I wha- oh, what was his first? Do you remember his first store that he put shoes in that they wanted boxes and he's like, no, like they're gonna be in. It boxes. was Nordstrom. Nordstrom they was the first.
0: They one. wanted boxes because of
1: the way they stored everything. Yeah. And and we've talked about <coughs> this mildly, about Blake Maca- Yeah, I, I remember bringing it up, just thinking, I, r- I remember listening to this episode, mm. like, oh my god, this is incredible. Like, to me, it just blew my mind. You know, it just blew my mind. Yeah, so that
0: episode has, I guess, sort of inspired me. Like, you know, you, sometimes I, th- I feel like we put kind of, or we make uh, the obstacles bigger than than what they may, may really be. Uh, we make them seem bigger, or, or we just kind of, you know, make mountains out of small hurdles. And... And to hear this story from Blake, how he got started, and how he denied Nordstrom, like, no, you're not getting boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was pretty incredible, you know, to be able to to do that type of deal. And also with uh, before Tom's shoes with, with uh that business he started in college, I think it was like a like a laundry service. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He would do laundry for <coughs> students or something and he yeah, would just drive and it in how his van or something. Yeah, he
0: said to like kinda stir up business he would pretend <laughs> to deliver laundry. Mm-hmm. To, like, kind of just get, you know, get the word out there, get his name out there, and people will people be like, oh, oh, you know, people actually hire his services, and I guess it worked. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, abso- absolutely. Yeah, and I'll have to find this episode, because it, it, w- it wasn't too long ago, because I remember Bri- me and Brian talking about exactly the same thing, so I, I don't want to get into it too deep, because, again, you can listen to that mm. one. We actually, like I said, we talk about it in way depth, because I was like, oh, my God, this gives me an idea of what I want to do with the students and with kids and stuff, especially now that I substitute, and I, I, know I have gigs picking up, and... And uh, I've already met at least one group of students that I'll be working with a lot this, wee- this year. And they're, they're a funny group of kids, you know. And it's interesting, like, last year, uh, the, eighth g- the eighth graders that I had last year were, like, the best behaved ones from, hi- from high school through all of the through middle school and all of high school. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade was the best class. And this year, like, they seem to be the rowdiest <laughs> so far. I yep. mean, I, I've, I've, I've only done sixth and seventh and eighth grade from one school. But I was like, okay, there's, there's, an, there's an interesting shift here because then I hear a shift in my other aunt's class and she's like, oh, my kids are great this year. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> 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 I'm like, hmm. The tables have turned a little bit. So we'll, we'll see. And I, I get to see, actually, I get to be with my aunt's class, my second aunt's class on Friday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing that little tale on. Yeah. Within a couple weeks because like I said, next week I gonna I plan on having Gonzo and Eddie. So I'm, I'm going to have that set up really nice. Uh, but I guess, well, to be different for me, it would have to be Stuart Copeland. Um, and his, his story in general is amazing like his you know he grew up in lebanon and and you know uh, he he grew up he was an american child over there and how he went to school with a bunch of like Arab or saudi princes or Arab princes and he even mentioned i don't know if he mentioned i don't know if this made the the tv show but he mentions like he went to the same school that osama bin laden went to like decades before he did I don't think that that
0: specifically was in the show, but okay, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, t- and this, this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted to get to between me and you, because like, you've already seen Stuart Copeland. I have listened to Stuart Copeland. So like, we can we can dive right off of this. Anyways, so then Tim's like, man. So he's like, I have to ask. Like, how was it being with with Osama? He's like, no, no, no. no like Osama was like way older, but they went to the same school mm-hmm. generally. You know, like ki- you know, uh, grade school. And he's like, no. He's like, if I would have known that guy, I would have kicked his ass. And everybody starts clapping. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, you, you don't think about those things. So he was over there. They moved back. And then he w- Well, he was in the U.K. for a long time. And, and uh, you know, essentially, I think, I think that's where, like, the police kind of started. Yeah. Know, at some point when he was in the U.K., he, was, he said he already had a high school band. Like, mm-hmm. when he was 17, he already had a band when he was in high school. And then he, from there, he derived and somehow up, uh, ended up being Sting. And then uh, the other guy, I forgot, uh, Andy something
0: the one that uh they met up at a coffee shop and he was like you know when do i start basically. yeah yes
1: yes yeah he was yeah he was like dropping his sessions and shit he just yeah. wanted to be part of the band and uh, so and so that was that anyways so that those are part of the main things another thing that i like that he mentioned in the in the podcast was because he has i think he, he uh, okay i don't know if, i don't know if he was serious about it but he for sure has two boys I don't know if he has seven kids in total or, or if it's just two boys and, like, da- a daughter or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, either way, he for sure mentions his two boys. And, of course, they're older now. But I don't know if they're our age or older, regardless, you know, 25 to 30. But he says one's an entrepreneur and one works 8 to 5 and he's happy. They're both happy at what they do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the funny thing, like, the, and so he goes on about this. He's like, he's like, you know, my son who works 8 to 5. He's like, after 5 o'clock, my son, he's like, in my son's head, he's free. He can go home, he can go out to eat with his friends, he can go out to drink, he can do, after five, he's free. And tomorrow he'll wake up, go do the same thing, and he'll be happy tomorrow again. And then his son, his other son, is opposite. You know, he's like, he's like there's no time to sleep. Like, and that's just his mindset. There's no time to sleep. And, right. uh, and, he, and the main thing that Stewart talks about is like, uh, you know, when you're, an onpre- when you're an entrepreneur, what is I wrote it down here. He's like, as an um, entrepreneur, you don't have time to go to work. You're always working. that's like the main thing he says like you're always working it's different than eight to five you know yeah and it's interesting because i never and i i still don't i still won't label myself as an entrepreneur even though there's some of these entrepreneurial qualities but i'm just using things Mm -hmm. does that make sense like and like i think we've of course mentioned this before where it's like you know just because we have so much uh we can grab so much information from the internet like all this stuff is now just available to everybody you know and so like i don't i don't I don't think entrepreneur is the right word for me because like, there's already entrepreneurs out there that are actually doing, that have actually created something that I'm just deriving from. Now, whether they've derived from something or not, like the founder, you know, McDonald's, mm-hmm. it, people who haven't, who haven't watched that movie need to watch it because we're going to talk about that next week. Anyways, but like in that sense, like I guess maybe th- maybe the pure sense of what entrepreneur meant, mm-hmm. which now I think there's a lot of gray and it's like, oh, I just, I just rather not, would not, I'd rather not be a part of that grayness. I'd rather just continue and see what, see what I, see what does develop out of these next, you know, few years. Mm-hmm. Uh but that was the main thing I took from him was that, you know, an entrepreneur is always always working and I and essentially I'm I'm always doing that now and lately I've been meditating a lot and I've had some great lucid dreams, like really good lucid like last night was really good. <laughs> like like I was like damn, and it, it took place here and like, you know, my room was set the way it was and it's like oh my, you know, it was it was intense, it was really good and I, Maybe I'll go into that another day, but go I had, ahead. had one, one of
0: those day. last week and <laughs> It was, it was, it was a very vivid dream with coworkers. And I was like, no, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> no,
0: not, yeah, today. <laughs> not today. it was, it was interesting, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was too vivid.
1: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. And mine was, and I was like, damn, like I got, I've gotten pretty good at this like, <laughs> yeah. Like, but I will, I will say, cause I was talk- actually talking about my dreams with a friend last week and, uh, and they're like, man, it's so incredible how you can like do that. And like. I've been really extra consciously trying to, like, dive into my dream. So I'll meditate for 40 minutes, and then I, I try to dive in. I literally try, like, in my head, dive in, and, like, eventually it comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm there. You know, I'm in the dream, and it's happening, whatever. And, and uh, it's interesting, like, lately, okay, 25%. I mean, one out, one out of four people I don't know at all. They're in my subconscious for whatever reason, but I don't know who they are at all the other 3 4 5 people I do know I've recognized them or I've or that I know them I actually know them which is interesting but uh anyways I just I did want to talk about that and you know I, I wanted to bring up like that show Fearless cuz like that's a, that's an interesting show that you know uh people can learn from it. it it's interesting like whenever this bell curve tips because it's like right now I feel like I'm doing the opposite of a lot of people you know as far as using technology and information to have personal gain to then of course to then help out and give but I feel like also, a lot of people are trying to do that already. You know, like, there's ar- there, are, there is a cloud of us. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not necessarily saying things verbatim, nor verbatim in my own way or verbatim as somebody else is saying them, but it's it's interesting going through, like, the day, watching how many people aren't, you know, doing either something they love or, you know, whatever the reason may be. I, j- I don't know. I just, f- I just see that. It's like, man, like, I wonder when that bell's gonna tip. You know that, that tip that yeah that bell curve's gonna tip over, and you know n- the next change is gonna happen. I don't know what it's gonna be. I'm not trying to think about it either, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting to me, at least at least from a macro standpoint of like change. <coughs> so I want to go into this question because this was actually cu- this was brought up by Tim, in the Stuart Copeland episode, and he asks, uh, "What did you want to be when you were a kid or as a kid?" And of course, Stuart t- talks about like he kn- he doesn't remember a time ever wanting to be anything other than a musician. And for me, I said and I think I even said this last week of like the Gary Allen thing and whatever. So um, that's my glimpse. But I can remember before then, there's a lot of things I wanted to be. And I want I want to start with you, Brian. Like what were what were things that you wanted to be when maybe el- if you can th- think back to elementary? Yeah. Like, what were th- what were a lot of things that you wanted?
0: to be? Elementary for sure. I wanted the two things I remember that you know, around, around that age range, I wanted to be an astronaut at some point, and then a firefighter, and the astronaut was just, like, to to me, it felt so cool to, like, and it not even, I mean, I don't think it was, like, in a very, in a deep sense, but to me, it was just cool to, like, leave the planet and, you know, go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, To yeah. me, that, that seemed very cool, like, it was just, I was out, out of this world, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the firefighter, it was just, it was just a like, like a, like a very action type of job. I imagined, you know, to go out there, rush over to like a burning building, yeah, yeah, fight yeah. the fire, and then you know, save the day type of deal. Right, right, right.
1: So interesting. Did you, did you ever see like firefighters as like like superheroes? Did you ever get to that point? I never did, but I'm just asking. I know.
0: don't. I and uh, like as I was saying it, yeah. I almost wanted to, I almost wanted to say like they were like a superhero type. But as a kid, I don't, I don't think I saw them as superheroes. Not associated for like me, because for me, superhero was really just like a cartoon or a comic book type of deal, like you know, right? Superhero yeah, yeah. to me, that's that's what it was, and a firefighter in a sense was a type of hero, you know, but not a superhero, just someone who could really, you know, save the day in in reality. In reality, the right, superhero no for time. me was just more fantasy, you it know, fiction. Too
1: yeah, yeah, too fictional for yeah. it at the moment. That's yeah, no, I. I remember at one point wanted to be a firefighter, but like as I'm thinking back, I honestly think I wanted to be a firefighter because someone said that the the hoses were heavy and they're hard to control. I'm like, I can control them, <laughs> and I was six. I mean, mind you, I was six, five, yeah. six years old. I'm like, no, nah, I, I could do it, and like I I wanted to be tested, and they let me. Of course, I let you like hold the hose and you go through that that thing and whatever, yeah you know yeah. like, that little uh, uh, what's it called, like a tour, you mm-hmm. know, the fire the firehouse and all that stuff, and it was cool. But uh, but even then, I was like, no, I can control like. <laughs> yeah, uh, no fact, and like I use to use Jocko's term, no factor. Like whatever, like I don't care how y- how small you think I am. Like I can do it. Yeah. And uh, and I I wonder where that came from. I don't know where that came from, but that that's what I thought, and I I remember that distinctly now. Um, were there any okay? So you said firefighter, astronaut, and was there anything else?
0: No, not not at that age. Not that age. At some point, it might have been more in like middle school that I, I got like I guess a little more realistic. Um, but wi- by that point, we had moved around so much, yeah. and I had already decided, like, from the different homes that we had lived in, I had decided what I liked and didn't like. Mm. So then I started developing, like, I'd like to design, you know, my own house and build my own house and yeah. houses, you know, the way I think. And at, at, at some point, not, not only the way I think people would like them, but I, I wanted to develop new ideas to make the homes more, like, efficient or... Or main, mainly like one thing that I had thought about was like kind of redesigning like like the air ducts, the, the ventilation okay, to to really keep the house like, you know, cooler or, or warmer. Because I don't know, at some point I, I, I remember thinking that it was very uneven in some homes the way, you know, maybe one part of the house is colder or hotter than, than the other. Hmm. So I remember okay. wanting to develop something to make. To make the the temperature more consistent throughout the yeah. entire home, hmm. and I always wanted to develop like little ideas that I could implement and kind of like put my name on, you know, put my right, signature yeah, yeah. on. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. That's pretty. That's pretty thorough as far as the air ducting. Yeah, I'm telling you, you dude. Like, that's like that's I wanted. I wanted <laughs> to
0: like make something, and you know, have people maybe not necessarily know know me, but know the idea, and and me be able to say like. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was like my that idea. Was really Even if nobody else knew it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I, I, I would get to develop something that that was that was good, that was used, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was efficient. Super interesting. Yeah.
1: Nice. That's cool. Uh yeah, Firefighter was definitely one for me. And then I don't know about Astronaut. I think that the the amazement of space intrigued me because Apollo when Apollo thirteen came out, that movie about with Tom Hanks and them, uh it definitely intrigued me, but it never. But it wasn't to be an astronaut. I think it was just to go into space. You mm-hmm. know, it, it wasn't to become an astronaut. Yeah. It was just the the concept. Um, for sure, when I was six, five, six years old, I wanted to be a truck driver because that's what my dad was. And by this time, I was already traveling on my own with him. You know, I was, we're traveling. You know, from here to L.A. to Washington State to wherever. Uh, when I was younger, we it was a lot more at West Coast stuff than East Coast stuff. Mm-hmm. And then. And it just happened that I have family over there too, so whenever we did get to see them, you know, it worked out, whatever. But that that was a long stent thing, and I remember telling my dad uh, that, and I don't want to say he ever told me no, but he never, also never pushed it. Of course, he you know he knows what his history is behind, like the cu- the just the concept of becoming a, cu- a truck driver and knowing yeah. what it takes to. And of course, I learned a lot of things later. Now when that I'm older, me and him actually got to talk as adults, and he just told me a lot of things, like, "Fuck, dude, you know, like it, it's." N- it's insane from my perspective. I'm like, fuck! I would never, I would never gone. <laughs> you know, like, I would have, I would have been like, why? You know, why are we doing this if it's not, you know, if it's not good? You know, essentially. Um, and at some point, I would, I, man, I want I'm trying to think if I ever want to become a major league like player of sorts, whether it's football or baseball. For sure, when I was like three or four, th- I, I only say this because there's like videos of me like in like Hawaii, uh, uh, ho- Halloween like mm-hmm. costumes and stuff, like baseball, baseball player, football player, whatever. And that was definitely something. But I, I, I never saw myself take baseball far or football but i just like you know it was part of me uh i'm trying to think of anything else that sparked before the gary allen thing because once gary allen like hit that you know that year that was, like yeah, that was game over for anything yeah. else as far as as far as <laughs> career you know post high school basically you know of course learning what, what was gonna what is it gonna take but um once that happened yeah there was definitely no there was no it was a lot of flow i want i don't know if it was floating around here because the thing is like Again, I was also very, I mean, essentially, quote-unquote, busy. You know, I was playing baseball year-round. I was doing things all the time, and especially come, for sure, fourth through eighth grade. Around fourth grade, fifth grade is when I started playing baseball all year-round. So, imagine you're t- 10 years old, 9 years old, playing baseball 12 months a year, you know, all year-round. You know, that, that's just what I did. It wasn't, I wasn't after a career. I was right. just playing baseball because I wanted to play baseball, you know. Yeah. It was very much a fun thing for me at the time. <laughs> um but then yeah, but then Gary Allen happened and that was that was all that she wrote. That was it. <coughs> Up until now. It's it's funny, like uh something that I think we've heard before of uh you know, when you get th- when you reach a certain goal or a certain thing and you realize, you know, it's not either it's not what you thought it was gonna be, or you realize like you want more or something like that. And I'm I'm kind of there right now, you know, like I've mentioned before where music is in auto in in an autopilot phase, but let me letting it be an autopilot lets me have uh, more energy when I'm on stage. You know, versus using um and even s- to tie it back to Stuart Copeland, like he talks about that, you know, being like uh on the on the podcast <coughs> episodes, Tony uh Tim Ferriss asked him, like oh, because uh, someone asked through Twitter or something. They asked something along the lines, like what would you what I- what uh not what well what information but uh, what hi- what uh, advice would you give a new musician who's gonna hit their first big stage or whatever, and the first thing he says is like, relax. And and I, I actually talked about this with Danny, who's my friend and you know his fellow trainer. Uh, so I asked him how he f- how how he feels like during like competition, like jujitsu or like when he's because he first started with boxing, so he's like that. He's like he's like man, he's like I would get so sick. And so I brought Stuart Copeland, like you know, Stewart says to relax. And my question to that was like, well, how do you teach someone to relax? You know, like. You, I think, you, I at least I eventually learned how to, I eventually learned how to relax. But, and this isn't even on the p- this isn't even on my segue. But we can segue into that. Is is there anything that has made you nervous, Brian? And totally and, and how have you coped with it? And in retrospect, you know, has there been like a change, you know, in in trying to adapt to that? The one thing that I can
0: like kind of associate like stage fright with that was that had even happened to me before. I I would. You know, I joined jazz in high school and and had performances on stage. <clears throat> I would get sick every first day of school. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, cause I was just so so shy. You know, that uh, I I hated being out of my comfort zone and I hated meeting new kids and not knowing. You <laughs> know, dude, yeah. it was that's crazy. I'm laughing
1: because it's so you. I'm yeah, not, not, and, I know, and I mean that's know. have known each other long enough. So yeah, like, oh. and that's why like <laughs> it's it makes so it's much crazy.
0: It's crazy how, how like sometimes people you know when if I ever do mention like you know I'm kind of an introvert or or <laughs> I'm 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 pretty shy, you know? Yeah. They're like, "No, you're not." I was like, "Well, maybe maybe that's not the case, you know, not to that intensity now, but that that was definitely like most of my childhood. Like I was I never wanted to, like, you know, raise my hand to give an answer in class. Um <laughs> if if you ever see those memes about like you know, you're sitting in class, waiting for your name to be called, like in roll call, and you're you're like practicing how to say here. Like <laughs> that was me, dude. Like, that was that bad. Like I'm, th- teachers going down the list, calling everybody's name. I'm Like okay, here, like here, like this <laughs> is how I'm gonna say it. Like I don't wanna, I don't wanna fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, like yeah right. You don't like, wanna
1: mess it up. That's interesting. That's super interesting. So,
0: so <laughs> for me, every first day of school, like I'd I'd get sick, and it would take me, it would take me like. You know, a few weeks or even the month to finally feel the comfortable. whole first six <laughs> weeks. Yeah, the whole first six <laughs> weeks to finally get comfortable with with you know my classmates and yeah. and and I don't know, man. Like I don't know if you really remember me like in middle school because I don't think we had many classes together. Well,
1: just just Mr. A. I'm gonna just calling Mr. A. Eighth grade math. Yeah, but and like somehow we became friends. Yeah, <laughs> and but you uh, sat next to me. That maybe maybe just, it would just yeah, and, out. And, and like and that's what I'm, I mean
0: like eventually I'd get comfortable and I was I was kind of a class clown you know I don't I don't remember that (laughs) but I was kind of a class clown I don't know if it it varied from class to class but at at some point in the school year I I was a little more kind of outgoing and outspoken but at the beginning it was just I was nervous right bro yes (laughs) so and that didn't change until like later on like in um in high school like maybe freshman sophomore year when I I thought to myself okay everybody that I met my first year of high school I'm I I already know like you know if we're all or most of us stay in the same high school like I already know everybody so I d- there's no need to be kind of like nervous around people I don't know like I right. pretty much met a bunch of people yeah. by this point so for me it was kind of that like realizing that a lot of the people that I, that I was gonna see the first day of school for the n- f- next following years I already knew or had seen them and if it was if I met new people it would be less. So it, it was kinda like a less less stress. Mm-hmm. Um with jazz, when I joined jazz and I, I had solos, like improv solos, especially because improv it's like it's not something you really practice. At least not me, like yeah. you can practice like, you know, have a couple like licks in your repertoire. Yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Sure but, sure. but for me, I I <laughs> I think this now, like I don't think I did jazz the right way. <laughs> like <laughs> Like, like um, my my director would always tell me, "Oh, listen to these guys, you know, old school, you know, jazz players, really good stuff," and I I rarely did, I rarely listened to. I would listen to big band and some jazz music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I rarely looked up to these like saxophone. Yeah, grits. well, you actually take licks like I mean, yeah. I forbade
1: them do some some of that. Like I mean, uh, all my licks are derived from the past ten years of like listening to guitar, yeah. after, guitar after guitar after
0: guitar. So in in high school, I rarely did that. Mm, so actually. so when I stepped on, you know, when I stepped up for my solos, it was, I was still nervous, but I think what helped me at that point is like I don't think I even like looked at the crowd or or i w- i would but because the lights are shining on you can't yeah, see you anybody can't see, anyway so, you're f- yeah. so so for me it was like i kind of would put myself in in the practice room because i i would like to mess around in the practice room you know like not necessarily improv but i'd practice different things or i'd try to figure out you know other music by ear like i'd just kind of mess around with my sex and um i think when when it came for me to play those solos I would just picture myself in the practice room by myself, just playing away, and that's one thing that helped me there. And then overcoming later, like in college, completely overcoming kind of like the shyness—not completely, but you know, doing better. better. It was just like you know, these people don't even—they don't care, like you know, <laughs> like because in my yeah. in my in my eyes, like I don't, I just I don't want to look like an idiot or like I don't want to make a fool of myself in some way, whatever way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. When I meet new people, like I I I don't want to in a sense, like, be, be laughed at or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to look like a fool.
1: Right, right, so right. So
0: later on, like, I just started realizing, you know, if you even if you do look like a fool, like, people won't care past, like, first 30 seconds. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They'll remember you for that for, like, the first maybe day that they met you and then things, yeah, you know, f- life goes on.
1: As life goes on, things smooth out, you get to know them better, they get to know you better and, like... Exactly. Some, and then that's that's where some become your friends, and then some just tell. I mean, you don't see them ever again. Yeah. And then you take the first exam, and then they don't come back to class. You know, and then there's the, there's a bunch of those. Students, yeah. You know, like they just that's just part of the routine. Yeah, man. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and that, that's very interesting. Like, I I, like I said I, I did not have this nervous thing tell off, but it it clicked because I I was curious as far as yours, as far as the way you w- you've adapted now, because like you've done the introvert thing you know or you feel like you're an introvert you're an introvert you're now doing the intro not deal which people need to check that out on instagram facebook the whole thing Um. uh but you know yeah that's interesting you know uh so to tell to tell back into like when i was talking with danny as well it's like man like you know how how do you teach like do you teach like how can you teach this because i understand what stewart's saying i like if we were talking person like sir like i i completely agree but like how like i you know that's where i get stuck and I would have probably continued with that question, you know, had I been there at the show. But one thing that I have come to realize, and this, this happened when I was talking with Danny, was like, one thing, because what I do is like, I get mad, like, sickening butterflies when, I, when I'm right, and we have, okay, guys, 10 minutes before the show. Then Page comes up, he's walking up the, sideway, the side uh, walkway, and like, okay, guys, you guys ready? And we're there, and I turn on my stuff and make sure my pack's on and, you know, our ears are on and whatever. If we're running ears at night, and then uh, the lights turn off, crowds cheering, and it's like you—it's like what I have learned to do now is like be n- be nervous, but hone in the nerves. Like take like like not even I'm not I'm not even saying to accept it. I'm saying to Can like use it as fuel. Yeah, like appreciate that you're so nervous to like go out and do what you already know what you're going to do well. Yeah, you know like especially like now with me with Eddie's like we we practice these shows for an a- for a month in advance like. Mm-hmm. We we do wholly want to be or bring, like, the best show we possibly can to everybody that comes in and j- and b- buys a ticket. And le- right now, you know, we're doing more opening slots, which is cool. It, and for me, that, that makes no freaking difference. And I, I really took that away from Stur- Joe Simpson. People can look him up. Uh, there's an interview he had. This is a while back, you know, where he would talk. Oh, this selection of Joe Rogan back, you know, la- early last year, late late 2015. Mm-hmm. But... uh. He talked about, you know, he's been on tour. He's seen these people that, you know, they go on tour and they're literally like almost fist fighting because they're mad about their arrangement of who's playing first, who's playing second because they feel like when they're, whatever slot they're going to be, they want to be like the last two because that's when they're going to have their moment. You know, and, and I try to bring that to the band and the guys. is like, guys, like whether we play first, second, or third, it shouldn't change because people are still paying. And if you want longevity of fans, I do believe in what Sturgill says as far as, like, you play the best freaking show you can play. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter because yeah. as long as you bring the product, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. Anyways, so, like, I have, so like ha- with that in mind, again, going back to, like, the nervousness trying to stay on that is, like, I do now try to hone in. But because I've realized, like, what, what I used to do was I would get nervous and I'd mess up. Mm-hmm. And I used to mess up bad. Like, I mean, do you remember that, actually, then this came up recently, I was talking to a uh, fellow musician. Who's, he's older, way older. And I've only met him. He's a very genuine, nice guy. Uh, he's He used to be a school teacher. He just retired. But he's also a musician, you know, hobbyist, you know, musician. But he has a son who has a lot of talent, and he's, like, in high school right now. He's, like, he's done jazz. He's d- he's in jazz, and he's done all those things. He's multi-instrumentalist now. He's, like, 14, 13. Like, he's, he's, he has potential, right? Mm-hmm. So he was saying, because they had jazz recently, and so they do like four songs with accompaniment and then they have to do four styles uh, by themselves, like drumming. In this case, he's a drummer, so he has to do four styles on his own. Well, he was so nervous or worried about one of the styles, I forgot which one, that he forgot the samba. And the only reason why I remember samba is because that's the one he forgot, right? So I'm like, oh, damn, like that sucks. So I told him, hey, and, I, and of course, other musicians put stuff, too, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm totally empathetic n- to that now because, I don't know, Brian, if you remember, but we played South Padre Island maybe four years ago, and I was playing with, uh, I don't want to say his name, but w- I was playing not with my original band, but I sat in that next night, and Eddie went with us to that gig the next night, mm-hmm. and I messed up. It was, like, the third song into the set list. You maybe not oh, remember that, no, I think but I, I, I do remember. was, like, terrible. I was just petrified and, like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I'm trying to, like, prove myself. Because, I mean, for all honesty, I was trying to prove myself to do well because at some point I knew Eddie was going to move back and I wanted to be a part of his band. Like, as it is, he was already here playing a show. It's like, I want to be over there. I want to be yeah. on that stage like, at Clayton's with Eddie. Like, I want to play with Eddie because I believed in his music already then. Right. And by this time, I had already heard Arkansas and, like, some of these songs he had already in, the, in his bag. He was just waiting to put them out on record. But, uh, but I told him, like, man, like, you know, I, I remember th- – I d- went to the same thing. You know, I was so nervous about the song that was, like, number 10 or 11 – that in my head I played it at the third spot, and like the bassist and the drummer are, are playing one song, and I started the intro to another one. So there's there's no mix. There's it's two different tempos, two different styles. Even though country's country, but it's still two different styles. Yeah. You know, it's like, like Jesus, like you know. And so, anyways. So, but since then, it's like man, like I would get that nervous while I would mess up things because I was so nervous to mess up. Mm-hmm. And now I have to get nervous and hone in those feelings and. Yeah. And just accept them, and I for me, I'm not telling anybody else to to accept them, but I have to use this for me. Like I have to accept that I get nervous, but hone them in, make contact with the crowd, and then I'm good. You know, I'm good to go, because it still takes me a good song, two songs to get comfortable. Like people say they don't notice, but I feel it, man. (laughs) Like when we did uh, actually with Eddie's record release, uh, we played at the Prelude, and I think our set was like an hour. It took me 20 minutes to get warm. Like, I, before I felt comfortable, and he's like, "Man, yeah. you sounded fine." And he's like, "You sounded fine." And Everybody's like, "Hey, man, you sound great." I'm like, "Thank God," because in my head, I'm like, just like, swe- I feel like I'm sweating. I'm not even sweating. I'm just sweating. I'm like having right. more like cold shivers, <laughs> if anything. You know, I just <laughs> feel like that, and I'm so heated. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of my body's kind of freaking out. Like, I'm just waiting to pass out. Uh, but it's interesting because that—that's just my point of view. You know, like people are like you don't. But you, how can you get nervous? You're playing in front of a ton of people. I'm like, I—I'm I, telling you what I feel. I'm not saying I look like it. I've now tried to work on it. You know, I'm trying to, to not show it. You know, I, I played a show with the flu. You know, I smiled the whole way. And my parents are like, hey, good show. And I'm like, fuck, take me home. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, cause I am still sang harmonies. I'm still, like, doing the full show. Yeah. I, I, I have learned through, you know, mostly internet instruction. You know, I I've, I've, I've only, ha- I only had, a, I had a voice coach when I was in college. And that only lasted, like, six months because then she left. And I hated that inconsistency because I had gone through that inconsistency inconsistency through all of my uh instruction like we had I had one drum teacher my sixth grade year then we had a different one Mm -hmm. and then my piano teacher who I had for like several years passed away and I stopped taking piano after that and then like all these other things changed like man like I I never had as far as like public lessons I never had consistency of a teacher past like three years right so at some point I was like screw private lessons like it's just not for me I'm just gonna listen intensively you know Mm attentively and just go that route Uh, it's worked out well I would say I, I don't know for better but anyways my yeah, I was like thanks can can you just take me home now <laughs> like can you just just take me home yeah. please just take me home uh, but that's how I mean that, that's how I've dealt with it. I mean I kind of went on a little rant there but uh, that's that's I don't know like, I, I think there's maybe more ways to do it were you say something no I was just gonna say like I, th- regardless
0: it's, it's not easy but I think maybe the in the same way that you say you know you gotta you know you warm up or or you the, at the very beginning of you know your performances, you're you're still very very cold. Mm-hmm. You know, <coughs> I think in the, in that same way, but in a longer time period, you know, it just kind of gets easier to relax. Maybe yeah, that and makes a little that make sense. That's sense that's, that's what I can think because even if you try to force like relaxation on something like that, it might make it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, right, you focus right. so so much on trying to relax that you just kind of add more pressure to yourself. So I think it. For the most part, or th- maybe the 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 best way to deal with things like that is just over time. If you do yeah, it, play and also play more shows, though, maybe. maybe yeah. Also b- Eventually, you you know it'll just be cake. Yeah,
1: because I know this is this is continuing, and now it's going to turn into a tangent more. But uh, there's the Eagles documentary that's on Netflix, and Don Hanley talks about when uh, this is the second half of it, part two of the documentary, and he talks about you know like now na- or in the latter stages, you know, post twenty no, post-2007, like, he's like, at some point, like, his mind wanders. They played the same song. They played these same, like, let's say 50 songs yeah. over and over again for the past 20, 30, 40 years. And so at some point, they go into autopilot and he's like, w- he's singing, he's 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 there, but his mind is not there. He's yeah. total autopilot. And it's like, man, like, now, I don't know if I want to get that deep. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kind of, I guess, and this is very thinking now, it's like, I kind of like being nervous because it lets me know that I care. At least that's me. That's maybe me thing, maybe. But I but, get it. But but th- you know, th- but I just want to continue like you know like you talk about being on and something like get into autopilot. I get into autopilot when I'm having fun. Well, my mind doesn't wander.
0: No, yeah. You it's know you're me? you're it's more like kind of muscle memory and, yeah. and you're enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying the but not music Not to where you're just not yeah, there
1: thinking about something yeah. to- and he, and Don Henley talks about completely thi- thinking about different things. I'm like, damn, like you know, that's awesome. You mm-hmm. know, obviously you've been playing for so long. That makes it makes sense. It's like Highway 21 for Eddie now. You know, imagine how time he's saying it now. You know, yeah. Whether it's acoustic, whether it's private, whether it's public, uh, whatever we've done, all the things we've done in the past two years alone. You know, Highway 21 came out in 2012, 2013. You know, it's been four or five years since that song came out. You know, and he wrote it. You know, six months before that. You know, <laughs> that was only yeah. when it was released to, to the public ear. Mm-hmm. Um. But, but yeah, that was that was one thing that uh, made me think. So, uh, to continue on this music trail funny because we kind of start we went to a, a music tangent last week about all valley or all all stayed and all that stuff yeah. and then uh and i and and it the serendipity of like Stuart copeland being an awesome musician and everything like i'm like oh and I, honestly i was like i don't want to go into music thing but now that i'm here in this moment and forever listening well we're gonna go there again so <laughs> so something uh stewart does bring up you know there's two there's two uh, elements of musician there's musician of the ear and musician of the eye Basically, you know, by the ear, you hear the phrases, you're kind of playing. All it's not all improvisation, but you know where the chord's going. You know what key you're in. You know the style. You know you, you know all those elements without having to look at a sheet of music. Right. And when you're by the eye, you have a conductor. You have the page in front of you. You know, you have your team, you know, essentially your team, your tribe next to you, playing with you. Um, do you know where you'd fall in that category as far as where you'd lean better? <laughs> For me B- or which which one do you lean better or you think you lean better and which one do you prefer?
0: For me it's definitely as far as like getting a feel of it, like to really understand the style and, and certain rhythms and stuff like that, it's by ear. By ear, like if I if, if I listen to a song, I feel like I, I get a better understanding of what the song is should should sound like. Um, versus just reading it off the page, because yep. if I read notes off the page, it, at first I'm just trying to follow all the you know all the rules, all or the ornamentation. And yeah, written it to that. to hear it, you know, to then be like, oh, this is the style. So to to understand like the style and 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 the feel of the song, first it's by ear, but of course you know you can only really play play the your part as it should be you know, for so long, or, or to some extent by ear, when, y- after that, like, I, I, I would have to look at the page and really see exactly what notes I'm supposed to play, what's the articulation for this specific spot. Because, like, in general, I can hear it and get the style. But for the detail, I need to read it. Right. But for ear. sure, I, I prefer ear, because even, b- even improv, I I feel like I would be a much better uh, player or, you know, um, improver, if uh, if I knew theory mm. or if I knew more, theory. yeah, 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 that makes yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, I prefer because I don't and because you know I dislike theory, music <laughs> theory so much <laughs> at the time, like I prefer to improv just by ear, try to right. figure it out, yeah, Like, yeah, hey, yeah. let me let me mess up a little bit, you know, under my breath,
1: shoot, dude. Whenever whenever I mess up and I'm live and like if Eddie's there or Danny's there, I'm like dude, it's just jazz, yeah, there's, <laughs> That's no, what I tell there's him. no wrong Mine's notes in sh- jazz, it's just jazz, bro, it's all good. <laughs> it's one jazz note. It's a I flat two. It's a flat two. That. Yeah, I've I mean, I heard it from somebody. I'm like, it's cool. It's a flat two. Whatever. Like
0: the <laughs> Monk had so many weird things yeah. to play on the piano, but that's not wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yeah, I, I I have used that because I had like I said I've, I've heard it from someone before and I I use it myself because like yeah like it's just jazz, it's just blues and jazz. It's all good. It's all funky.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, interesting enough. You know, I was raised at some point on theory because mm-hmm. I started piano, so I learned how to read notes. I didn't learn how to take instruction, you know, from a conductor, but I had a metronome, yep. you know, and, and then and then uh, my, my final piano teacher, uh, she stuck me in theory, not classes, but I would take theory tests once a year, and I did this for like three, four years in a row. I did this from like fourth grade. I think fourth grade until she passed away. So that was like fourth grade to like seventh grade. So, like, I saw it three, I think I saw it four years in mm-hmm. a row where I took this these tests. And and, n- and this is no boast, but like, because I, I, I studied and I didn't like it, but I studied. And, you know, I, I mean, I get 95s and above. And that, that was my score rating for. And, and of course, looking, I, I still have those theory books. Like, it's, of course, as a 26 year old, you know, it's papitas. You know, like, oh, yeah. that's, that's like sight reading theory now. You, know, like you can yeah. do that sight reading. But, anyways, but interesting that I had that. And then, so in that transition of of theory with a non-instructor, then ha- being in band, getting in band, even when I played the tuba, I mentioned you know, where I was well, I was a drummer first, or I was a tuba tubist first, tubist <laughs> tubist first, and then I became a drummer. But being a being in t- be, uh, playing the tuba, you know, I started learning how to view a, watch a conductor and you know doing both, mm-hmm. you know, reading yeah. the book and doing a conductor, and then let's add marching band in in. Uh, so in uh cool. in high school. Yep. So then to add t- and this circle's not done yet. So to add to my circle, then I start guitar playing, sixth grade, seventh mm-hmm. grade. And at some point by eighth grade, ninth grade, I was like, Mom, I don't need teaching anymore. I'll just do everything by ear. Like I've learned like I've learned I kn- I already kn- because of theory, I know it's A through G. Or oh sorry, yeah, A through G. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've learned all my keys. And of course so, I mean, so naive of me to not continue because then I, I stopped. I didn't learn about modes. I didn't learn about different uh, modes of, like, of cor- uh, scales and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these things I didn't learn because I stopped instruction. But the, the dichotomy of ear and vision of, like, playing guitar by ear, but drumming and playing these other instruments using both mm-hmm. has now tailed into, like, just a, a – it allows me to have balance. Where, like, if Eddie gives us a chart, I read the chart, and then we talk about it. Right. If he says, hey, I have this new song, you know, try to to follow along. We take one take, two takes. And that's how we do things now. Like, Eddie will – it's cool because I can say – I love saying this out loud because uh, it reminds me of uh, the old manager from the Eagles. He talks about back in the day, like, he got to see some of these songs be developed, and it's a unique thing to see a band develop the songs. And I feel, I feel like we do that. El- Eddie allows us to do that now. You know, th- for this next record, it seems like we're leaning that way. I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems like we're leaning that way. We've definitely done two songs where it's like, okay, you know, Eddie likes what he hears. You know, w- w- it seems like we're going to run with it, and we'll see what happens. Anyways, <coughs> but now what he does is, like, even if it's half a song, he'll play it. After, after, after rehearsal, he'll be like, hey, this is a new song, and he'll play it. Like man, and we'll either give him a thumbs up or like, and eh, like it needs work. And like ninety percent of the time, like he's spot on. It's like finish writing the damn song so we can finish it. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just waiting to rock, yeah. rocking a, a full band. So, so there's that dichotomy of what it allows me to do now. Of that, you know, I I, I read. Now I need at least two minutes to like look at the chart, like especially. Cause like what I do like about Eddie and what I do for my charts, is, like I I am very descriptive. You know, I I treat it as a sheet music. You know, I, even though it's only numbers, as far as uh, DCL codas or, or yeah codas and uh, uh, crescendos, decrescendos, diminuendos, like all that stuff. And for people that aren't music inclined, just just bear with me, because <laughs> there's a, there's a bigger point. There's a macro to this. Uh, but but that dichotomy of like what my past has allowed me to do music, my past musically has allowed me to do now mm-hmm. you know where it's like okay yeah like I, c- I can definitely read that now give me a sheet of music like I can I couldn't do that you know not, not for guitar because i I just get confused of where everything is in the stands even you know, the, st- the st- stand. yeah the staff and it's like okay that, that's that isn't chicken for me but a chart versus by ear you know that's that's what we use majority of time anyway so it's like you know I'm, I'm I feel like I'm my past has helped me be decently fluent mm-hmm. now which is cool yeah we're gonna st- we're gonna stop there we're at an hour and ten, because I spent like twenty minutes at the Stuck. beginning. <laughs> but, but I think we, d- I think we did good. I think we did. We still, yeah. we still covered the bulk of what I wanted to cover today. Because some of the other stuff, like was, it's with Stuart Copeland, some other stuff that, uh, you know, I can bring up hopefully another day. Th- there's, a, there's a question that I can bring up another day. Uh, yeah, because it wouldn't time right now. So, anyways, so yeah, hour and ten, we still knocked it out pretty well. I think it went really well. We, me and Brian had a good session. Last week he was sick, and then I got sick over the weekend. It was a clusterfuck of many things. Last year was a clusterfuck. No. Last year, last year was a cluster. Last week, the whole the whole year. <laughs> last th- last week was
0: definitely a clusterfuck.
1: Yeah, last week was was a was a cluster. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I said this when we were recording already, but I felt like last week on Labor Day after Labor Day, September uh, fourth, like I fast I, forward. Yeah, I felt like everything was everything was just in fast forward mode, and it's like okay, I need it. Uh, it just felt overwhelming. Hopefully getting back to work out today. We've done with this podcast today and we'll hopefully n- next week we'll be back to normal on Sunday. Um I didn't even go live.me today. I just I we just started recording so like let's let's, let's go. Uh, um but next week the plan is get Eddie and Gonzo on here and we're going to talk some the founder. People who haven't seen it, watch it. We're going to dive into that. I'm going to Of course take it as a movie of learning and opening your mind. Don't be too judgmental. Um, yeah,
0: cuz I think I definitely think I'm going to be Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to be a little a little hateful but yeah, hopefully yeah, yeah. just for a little bit because I'm hoping that what you know what we bring up yes. um is more kind of educational more yeah. more about the business and yes. and you know everything else not so much focused on the downfalls and, and the flaws yeah, and the, the flaws faults of, all, yeah. of the movie.
1: And I, I definitely, I personally want to play devil's advocate and try to m- mitigate between, because Gonzo's told me one of his points. I'm curious what Eddie's going to say, because he, he always has his individual thought, which is very curious to me, because he keeps them usually tied up until we talk about it, so w- we're going to do that. And then, Brian, we we me and you kind of talked about some of it earlier today, and I was like, yeah, we're going to definitely hit this topic next week hard. Um, I've already watched it once, I'm to watch it again, and uh, bring that back next week. So... That'll be the end of that. Brian, if you want to give your social media.
0: Yeah, you can go ahead and find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Brian Alejandro underscore. And uh, I'm pretty sure at some point I was down on Fiverr. Uh, I think I fixed that already. So if you want to, I've gotten a couple messages, but uh, I won't disclose that <laughs> over, <laughs> over the podcast, yeah, but... uh yeah, go ahead, and uh, if you don't want to hire me right away and you kind of want more information, uh, look me up on fiverr.com um, at Brian Alejandro no underscore, and uh, just message me if you have questions about what I can, can't do, um, how long it would take, stuff like that. Anything anything you want, just go ahead and message me if you're unsure of, um, of what you need done. So, yeah, that's where you can find me.
1: Oh, yeah. So for me, which is generally everything, just go to movingwithlife.co. That gives you everything. Um, my goal for that for sure is on observa- if you click the observations tab, I post every Monday morning. And that gives either an insight from season one, that's what I'm kind of leaning on, or something that I did or an actual observation that I took from season one that I'm like, okay, this this is important that I feel like helps uh, give better visual or better insight on as far as moving with life and the concept of moving with life and what we want to do with this podcast and with the website and with helping others help themselves. Um, so the piece, I wa- it's, it's, it's a little lengthy, but when I read this from Zig Ziglar, this is in the preface of... Secrets of Closing the Sale, um, I couldn't feel more <laughs> connected to him because I feel like I won't misquote often, but sometimes it happens. But because I I go through, you know, a bunch of people and a bunch of, you know, I think I've centralized now where I'm not so scatterbrained. But, you know, it happens from time to time. And for sure during season one, which is episodes one through 27, um, there are some things that are maybe... Not verbatim, correct, but you know the ideas there, or maybe I confuse the name. There's a couple of those too, where it's like, okay, give me, give me a break, guys. <laughs> you know, I'm, I do, I, and it's no excuse. It's just that when I sometimes I get into a zone, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm just going, 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 whether I'm on I'm alpha brain or not. Right now, I'm not an alpha brain, and I feel pretty, pretty, pretty fired up mentally. I feel, I feel pretty, pretty, pretty fired up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel pretty, pretty. Uh, so I'm gonna read this little paragraph because. Uh, it's exactly how I feel, and this, this, book was c- this, this book came out back in 1982. This was the first uh, release of this book. This background presents a rather unique problem. To be completely honest, I sometimes forget the source of my information. To the best of my ability, I have given credit in this book to each individual who has made a contribution via a speech, a personal conference, a book, or an article. Many times, however, I have no idea who my benefactor is. Additionally, I recognize the possibility that in some instances I will credit the wrong author or even claim originality because I learned a technique long ago and have used it so many times that I believe the technique or idea was original. In the event this has happened, I ask the author to forgive me. My My objective is to be completely fair with everyone.